This is the Above Average Podcast and you are listening because you want an above average life. Alright guys, welcome back to the Above Average Podcast, the podcast where we talk to above average people about their above average lives. Now today, I'm joined by Tracy Holmes, a former nurse turned fitness guru and entrepreneur who trains and encourages women to feel sexier in their clothes and live happier, healthier lives. Tracy, welcome to the Above Average Podcast, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Fantastic. So obviously I know a lot about your life, we've talked mm-hmm. over the years. I believe I've known you probably about four or five years, maybe yeah, now, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is scary to think that my life's gone by uh, way <laughs> too fast. Um, but before I get into the uh, fitness side of what you do, let's start at the beginning. So take us back to your childhood. I know you did a lot around the house as a kid. Like, what was your sort of childhood growing up? Yeah, well, my childhood was really busy. Um, I come from a family of six wow. siblings. Um, so, obviously... There's a lot to do when you've got six siblings at home. I was the oldest girl. I had two older brothers um, and then obviously three younger than me. So because I think I was the oldest girl, you kind of take on some of the chores. Mm -hmm. So I looked after the little children and um, helped with the cooking, cleaning. My mum is still to this day very, very house proud. A little bit OCD or a lot OCD, I should say. Mm. Um, So it was a lot lot of... um, I guess responsibility as a child, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you, how do you think handling that responsibility sort of affected the rest of your life moving forward? Do, do you think that obviously I know you're quite house proud yourself? Like mm-hmm. I've been to your house; it's very clean, it's very tidy. There's nothing out of place. Like, do you think that's continued? Throughout I your think life? Um, it's carried on massively throughout my life. Like to the point where, until recent years, I think I've been I've been quite obsessed as well. Um, mm-hmm. Quite OCD, over the top with the cleaning and making sure everything has to be done. And I'm still like that, but nowhere near as obsessed as I used to be. Because mm. um, you realise um, when you go through other things that happen to you or around you in your life, you realise what's important. Yeah. And then you realise them things aren't quite as important as you think they are. Yeah, so, still, yeah, definitely. It's still kind of nice to have a nice place to live, though. It's lovely it? to have a lovely, clean, comfortable place. Um, but you need to also have a life and not let it totally take over your whole um yeah. self um so it's 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 a really good way to have been brought, brought up yeah. like having pride in yourself and what you own and looking after it um, and that's the way i was brought up so it has had a, a really positive impact on us yeah. as well so you don't you don't feel like it was kind of ah oh, why did it get put on me at such a young age you're kind of quite proud of the fact that you had I that responsibility. Yeah, I, th- I think because I, when I was younger and I was like like having to clean and tidy and do things, you know, when my friends were out playing and stuff like that, mm. or before I went to dancing with my friends, I would have to clean. And sometimes I would get my friends to help us clean the patio doors and they would help <laughs> us so I could get a dancing on time because yeah. I'd dance in a dance team. And if I wasn't there, the team wasn't together. Mm. So I, they used to say, come on, we'll help you and things like that. So I did kind of... I did have a little bit of resentment when I was younger, but as I've got older, I kind of, you appreciate it more, you appreciate your parents more, you appreciate why they do it. And like, I appreciate me mum and dad, like did the absolute best they could as parents for us. So in their intention was always to be the best parents they could possibly be. And we had a really good loving childhood. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you realize that but not until you're older when you're a child you think the the world owes you don't you yeah and you think that doing dishes is like the worst thing in the world yeah <laughs> yeah i just did dishes all the time so yeah dishes you cooked as well you cooked quite a good cook. sunday dinners for well not just sunday dinners i cook for everyone yeah, yeah. how, how old were you when you started cooking for real 
Um, I think I was probably about, gosh, um, 10. I used to peel potato, peel the veg on a Sunday. <laughs> we used to get big sacks of potatoes. Nice. Um, and I used to do that kind of stuff um, and would do, like, I'd do the breakfast, do the dishes, do the tidying, do the cleaning, do the shopping. Mm-hmm. Because my mum as well was only a young mum and she had six kids. Yeah. So she couldn't do it on her own anyway. Like, she needed my help. Did all the others pitch in or was it just, just Tracy to the rescue? Um, I think the boys got away with a lot. Right. It was okay. definitely, definitely more of the girls did it. Um, and... My sister, who's a year younger than me, she probably did not quite as much as me. She was mm-hmm. a little bit more rebellious, <laughs> shall we say. Um, and my younger sister was very spoiled. She was very young. so The youngest always are, I think, yeah. as well. Like mm-hmm. I'm the oldest out of me and my brother, and I'm like, my brother has all the cool stuff. He got like away <laughs> with everything. Yeah. Like I've never seen him. So- sometimes I'm like, when was the last time you did the dishes in the house, Lewis? But uh-huh. you know, I still love him. But how do you think that... Um, played a part in raising your two daughters do you did you raise them similar to how you were did they do things around the house or did you kind of let them get away with a bit more than what you did i didn't get my two daughters to do anything really i Mm. did everything for them i was the very opposite um which isn't a good thing neither um i think because of my childhood you know when i was a child things were hard for parents Mm -hmm. um and i think things are a lot more easy and convenient now for parents so when I had my two, I purposely didn't make them do anything, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't even know how to cook. Um, my oldest daughter, I didn't even know how to put the washing machine on, mm-hmm. I think, when she left home. So I don't, I, I did far too much. I went the total extreme yeah, opposite, yeah. which was not probably the right thing to do. But um, yeah, I, I did bring them up totally differently. And I also had different opportunities because I was, you know, there were only there was only two of them as well yeah, yeah, yeah. i had a lot versus more. six of them yeah, uh, yeah you, when you're sharing yourself out between six children it's really hard and you're, mm-hmm. you're going to work and you're running a house and you're sharing yourself out between that many children and also my mum and dad fostered as well mm-hmm. so sometimes there was more children in the house as well um mm-hmm. you, you can only give yourself so much can't you yeah i'm curious what was it like going did you go out for family meals much at all when when i was a a kid and for probably most people around about my age you didn't really go out for family meals mm. um I, I don't even i think as i got a bit older we probably maybe went for a curry yeah um but we didn't really go out for family meals at all mm. um would do picnics when i was a child we did everything everyone was it always at our house always like mm. my dad was really active as in he took were would go camping, but he'd take half the kids in the street. Would go out <laughs> for the day, he took half the kids. We always played nice. badminton in our street. A very me, social childhood then. Uh, yeah. My dad was like, and he always interacted with all of the kids. Would play, he'd take we all down the beach, would play around us. Um, so we did so much. We had lots and lots of activities. But it was always done on a budget. Like my mum yeah. would make with pack lunches. You know, like... Well, the, the reason I ask is because obviously now you get a lot of... I've seen... Obviously, I worked in a restaurant for seven years. I saw every type of family that there is. I've seen the posh families who mm-hmm. the kids don't say a word. And I've seen the mm-hmm. ones where the kids literally... No word of a lie. We used to put steak knives on the table. That was the night before that was on a table set. And the kids used to pick up the steak knives and sword fight like they were pirates in the middle of the restaurant. That <laughs> happened. That legit happened. And I'm like, that is terrible parenting. So I was just wondering, like, obviously, if you guys, there was six of you going out like obviously now what's your opinion on sort of the the sort of ipad generation of kids like just giving your kid an ipad like they've got no responsibility it's just oh be quiet he has an ipad like do you have any thoughts on that i think kids are very different now mm-hmm. um 
when we were children, if my mum and dad took one anyway, they literally would say to you before you went in, right, when we're going here, you sit and you be quiet and you behave. Mm-hmm. And we sat and we were quiet and we behaved. Mm. And we did that. Um, we always sat around the table at home as a family as well, though, for for a meal. Mm-hmm. There was no, like, in, obviously, my mum's OCD, there was no taking food up to your room. Yeah, no, no sitting on the bed, no crumbs in the bed. No, yeah, yeah. there was no sitting in the sitting room. So you ate in the kitchen, at the dining room table with everyone all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we're all, and, and you didn't have, because there were so many of you, you couldn't just go to the cupboard and eat when you wanted. Yeah. You couldn't just go and get a biscuit. You would have a packet of biscuits. My mum would get a packet of biscuits or a family bag of crisps and she'd give you one each or two each, two biscuits each. Mm. And then when they were gone, they were gone. Yeah. And you didn't have them every day. So you never, you didn't overeat, mm. basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you, a, that's a big thing. Yeah, as well. We had everything we needed, but you didn't overeat because you weren't just allowed to go to the cupboard. I had a few friends who could just go and have as many biscuits as they wanted because mm-hmm. there was only one or two of them. But you can't do that when, you, um, have, when you're from such a big family. Yeah. So I think the iPad thing, um, I think children do obviously go on it on things like that too much. But again, I've got a little grandson now and I took him out yesterday for lunch and I went with my friend and I took his iPad. Mm. So there you go. Do you think it's just easier just that he has an iPad? Do you know what? It's the um the only, he wasn't even on it the whole time. The reason I took it is because he's when I take him for his lunch, he's he's a proper little muncher and he loves to eat. And when you're waiting for the food, he's bored. Mm. So it's just to keep him satisfied and stationary and you know nice and calm while he's sitting waiting for his food once his food comes and he's got his food he's happy to just yeah. sit and eat but it's just sometimes it's a long time when they're sitting and mm. he's only two yeah yeah fair enough so, well, i remember when the, the place to go when i was a kid was frankie and benny's yeah right it might have gone a little bit downhill i'm not saying <laughs> enough but I, is I it even been still from, open it's still open a lot of them closed and a lot of them um, there was one next to my tgis where i used to work and it was it became a sambuca's Right. And the best thing about that was when we went to have a look, they'd left all of the Frank. You know how they used to have pictures of Frankie and Benny and uh, the New York sort of Italian mm-hmm. scene. They left all that on the wall mm-hmm. and just put the Sambuca sign on everything. And I was like, "That's that's. <laughs> just, can you do that? Can you do that?" But the place we used to always go, and the best thing about it was you used to get the the kids packs with mm. the the color and pens. We used to interchange the nibs. Do you remember them? The crayons. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, why did it suddenly become they're not good enough? Now it has to be an iPad, like. If you didn't take the iPad out, do you think that? Do you th- if you didn't take the iPad out, do you think Caden would draw? Do you think oh, he would draw do that her. instead? So yeah, um, obviously he's only at, at a young age, but he would still draw definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fair enough. So there is still some places that do that. I don't. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember where, but I have seen places still doing oh, yeah. stuff. Like that. It, it, do you know what it tends to be? I saw the adults do it. The kids have the iPad and the, and the adults sitting doing a word search or like coloring in some Easter bunny or something. Well, the to, like my little grandson gets Caden, you get he's, you get me phone and he does this. Does this with his fingers? It. He like swipes it, and I'm like, they just know what to do. Just, they watch, oh, so don't they? They watch, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So you mentioned earlier that no one really around you when you went to university. So what do you think made you a little bit different? Into why? Why did you decide to go? Do you know? Um, I was brought up in South Shields on a housing estate um, until we got older, and then my mum and dad um, bought the first house. So I was brought brought up on a housing estate where kids played out. Yeah, it, it was a friendly place to be. Um, my mum and dad kind of didn't encourage us to sort of hang around the streets. Um, they encouraged what to do, like activities and stuff. I used to dance all the time. Um, yeah. But we're, we're, I think 
education wise, I wasn't very clever when I was at school. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I was very clever. I probably was clever, but I didn't realize I was. Yeah. Um, and I just, you didn't know, I didn't know a single person who went to university. Mm. So although when I left school, I went into care, I knew I was going to look after people. I had loads of jobs when I was a child. Loads of jobs. I had absolutely loads. I worked on an ice cream van. I looked after an old lady. I used to babysit for everyone. I worked in a food shop. Um, I delivered papers. I did the Avon. I did all sorts. <laughs> I, I didn't know you were an Avon lady at one point. I've done everything. Wow. Uh, loads of jobs nice. when I was a I knew child. The, I knew the ice cream van one. That's probably my favourite one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah the, yeah. the story behind the ice cream van. But, uh, yeah, so I think... Nobody really, I, I went into care, I went to college, started looking after people. I knew that I wanted to do that as a job. I wanted to be a nurse, but I didn't know anyone who was a nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, people then in our area, there wasn't many people who went to university. It was, I thought, and I know the people who I grew up with thought, it was for people who were rich, who had a lot of money, who could pay for yes. it, for to yeah. go to university. So it kind of was never an option mm-hmm. to go to university. For me, it was just like, I can't ever afford that. It was just out of your sort of reality back uh-huh. then. Yeah. And it was like, that happens to rich people. That happens mm. to people who are brought up not on a council estate sort of thing. Yeah. That That's the way that, in my mindset, when I was young, that's how I, I felt. Do you know what I think? I kind, of, I kind of felt the same. Like, I never went to uni either. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of, I did my college diploma, I guess mm-hmm. you could say it was. And... Uh, Say I'm, I'm so uneducated. I don't even know what I got from college. <laughs> I got good grades in college. Don't get us wrong, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to do the subject that I that I did because and 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 sort of what I do now and sort of the creative side and stuff like that. Like I didn't want to do that back then. I sort of fell into this, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of I've kind of almost looked at it and went, I'm actually more creative than I used to think. Like I thought mm-hmm. I would have to be academically smart, but creatively smart, you can do just as well if not better mm-hmm. now do you think do you think you're sort of a mix of the a mix of both now would you say i think now i'm probably a mix of both yeah i never thought academically i could ever ever succeed what was your worst subject i'm curious <laughs> my worst subject um mm, probably i think probably geography hmm and I'm still rubbish at it. I've still got no sense of direction. I got get lost everywhere. I, I need <laughs> looks like me sat now. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So, um, obviously, you went on to be a nurse. Um, I, I went on to university. Um, I did um, loads of like courses and leadership courses mm-hmm. and management courses while I was working in care. Um, and I loved working in care. I loved looking after people. Mm-hmm. And then I was sat with a friend one day who who I grew up with and was sat in the garden it was a summer's day and I said you know what like she said it was what would you love to do if you could do anything and mm-hmm. I said I just wish I had had been able to be a nurse mm. and she said I would be a teacher and I said you know what why don't we do it and she was like I know why don't we do it she would go to she would go to the open she would say there's an open day and we'll go yeah. to uni and we'll have a look so we both went to uni um to an open day together and I enrolled on a nursing course and she enrolled on a, a teaching <laughs> course and we both done it we'd, we'd done it like it was mad just on a whim just uh-huh. you know what, let's do it mm-hmm. well just like I think it was just we'd got a bit a little bit older we'd got a bit more courage mm-hmm. um and yeah we'd done it yeah nice was it exactly what you expected because sometimes when you go into these career paths it's like uh like I wanted to be a IT technician that was mm-hmm. I love fixing computers and helping people with their problems and stuff etc 
And uh, then I went into the course and realized that I hate computers and <laughs> never want to touch any wires or the inside of a mm-hmm. computer again. So was it was it what, exactly what you thought it would be going into it? Um, when I was student nurse, obviously you, you're at uni part-time and you're uh, working part-time. The, the hands-on care, right, I'm absolutely amazing at. Mm-hmm. I've always been amazing at that. I know that. So I didn't have ever have any doubts about that. The academic side, I found really challenging and really hard. And I felt like sometimes like I had to work harder than everybody else because I didn't have the yeah. academic ability. But it didn't stop us doing it. And I'd done it and I got there. So yeah, When you say the academic ability, is that like remembering things and I think, um, the tests? You know, when people just don't think they're very clever. Mm-hmm. I just, I didn't think I was very clever. So when I was doing it, I think I had a lot of anxiety about doing it. Am I good enough to do this? Can I do it? Am I good enough? Yeah. That I just, I just felt like I had to really work hard. Mm. Do you think, do you think because you'd always kind of, you obviously mentioned earlier, you never thought that you were smart. You never got, you never felt like you were smart in school. Do you think that because you had that mindset, do you think that might have held you back a little bit in terms of that? Or do you think? Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean, I went on to, to do a degree, a, a diploma, and then I went on to do it because you used to do a diploma in nursing. It wasn't a degree, yeah. Th- until they changed it years later, um. So I did a diploma, and then I did a degree, and then I did some of my masters, but I never completed it. Mm. I left Why nursing. did you drop out? Of my masters, yeah. I left nursing. <laughs> oh, okay, fair. Well, we'll, we'll get into that as well. I was, I'm curious, like, is there anything that people don't realize? Because obviously, we hear a lot about the nurses and the news and stuff, and obviously everything that happened with COVID and and whatnot and uh, is there anything about nursing that people on the outside don't know about is there anything that goes on behind the scenes or anything that people don't really think about when they think about nurses anything that would shock them or surprise them i think that if nurses spoke out there would be an absolute uproar Mm. (laughs) um i think nurses don't get the credit that they absolutely deserve i think nurses you know in the healthcare setting it's not just nurses it's the Mm. nurses it's the cleaners it's the doctors you know it's the phlebotomists it's everyone who works in healthcare yeah or in the care sector the job that they do is so tough it's so hard like it's it's difficult it's really difficult to put it into words Mm -hmm. um they definitely don't get enough pay. Yeah, that's the biggest one that I hear all the time, yeah. Um, but they're just they're so understaffed and so under pressure. It's absolutely unbelievable because you're playing with people's lives Yeah. at the end of the day. Like, I know I absolutely loved being a nurse and I know I was the best nurse I could possibly be with the tools that I had. Mm-hmm. But it's so short-staffed. And I know it's in the media massively now, mm-hmm. but it's been like that for years. Yeah, it's been like that for absolute years, and I think that nobody in healthcare gets the credit or the attention or the wages that they deserve because they work so hard, like yeah. so. But, but hard. The, the question of that is why? Because if if you, for, for me, it seems logical, right? It's like if you paid them more for because it is a, a massively hard job to do. If you paid them more, more people would want to do that job. Because the pay is, all you hear about is the pay is bad, the hours are shit. No <laughs> one's going into that sector of work. So it's like, surely the logical thing is put more money into it. Would that, would that make I, sense? I think, yeah, I do, I do agree. Obviously, the need to pay rise, all nurses yeah. um, and everyone in the healthcare, because everyone, well, everyone's striking at the minute, on the, not yeah, just the yeah. healthcare. <laughs> do you want to go on trains? Do you yeah. want to post? Do you mm-hmm. want to go to the hospital? Everyone's on strike. And I, th- I really think they deserve a massive, massive pay rise. And I do think, like, for example, if you qualify as a teacher mm-hmm. 
and you qualify as a nurse. So when me and my friend both qualified at the same time, when we both went to uni, she did teaching, I did nursing, she started off on about 10 grand more than me a year. Wow. So yeah. that, you know, that... And obviously teachers have got a really responsible job as well and they work with mm-hmm. kids and it's 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 a hard job. I've never been a teacher, but I can imagine it's a very hard job. Yeah. But like that is a massive... To, to, to get the same qualification and not get the same pay and the same recognition is very hard. Mm-hmm. But again, even if you paid nurses another 10 grand a year, if you don't give them the staff to support them to do the job yeah. properly, then it's like a vicious cycle, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think... <clears throat> A lot, of, a lot of healthcare has now changed, and it's about paperwork. It's about mm. ticking boxes, and yeah. so you know. Well, there was that big thing over over COVID and stuff like that. People who died of random natural causes were put down as COVID because apparently, if you put down COVID, you got more funding for the the COVID side of things. I don't know how true that was. That was like the thing going around. Um, I can't really say yeah. anything. <laughs> you know, like. I, I can't give a, a comment on that really but, but, if, I that, do but if that's know... the rumor then surely that proves that like there's something wrong if they're that desperate for that sort of funding they need that money so badly mm-hmm. that they would i think the funding in in any in in the nhs works funny sometimes it's to do with targets to do with numbers and you yeah. know waiting times and things like that um but you know what it's an nh it's the nhs it's a free service and the public abuse it like yeah, as yeah. well you know like i don't sometimes we need to stop and think about how lucky we are in this country to have a free oh, nhs yeah. like yeah, yeah, massive yeah. i mean it costs you i think it's like it's well over like a hundred thousand dollars or something to have a kid in some excuse me in some states in america mm-hmm. like you wouldn't get that you have a baby you take the baby home that's it mm-hmm. here over there you've got to have insurance and you've got to be able to pay like your way really i think we are extremely lucky, as you oh, say. Oh, massive. Definitely. Massive. Was there any patients that, I'm just, as a throwaway question, was there any patients that left their mark on you? Is there anyone that you met during that time of nursing who left their mark in your, in your oh, memory? Oh, loads. Like, honestly, reason? absolutely loads. Um, obviously, confidentiality patients, it's really, yeah. y- you can't, like, talk any, about. Any that you can you can talk about openly? There's loads. I've had patients who've had cancer and they've had young children and they've died in my arms. I've had patients who have been middle-aged who have died in my arms and I've had patients who have uh, patients who have had major surgery been really poorly recovered and when they've walked out the door I've known that coming back in a few months time mm. to die like it, I've had patients who their families have screamed like screamed at their death and yeah, I, 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 there's loads of patients touch my heart, like loads, so many. Mm. Um, and you know, like, I don't think there's anything more rewarding than a relative saying to you, like, I wouldn't want anyone else to have been with my mm. wife or mom or daughter when they died than you. Yeah. Wow. That's That's an amazing place to be. Yeah. 100%. That's like an absolute privilege and honour, and I've I've done that so many times, like so many times. And there's something about um, obviously patients come into hospital because they're poorly, they get better, they go home. That's amazing. That's what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then you have patients who come in and they have like a surgery to make that enhance their life. Like you have patients who come in and they can't walk and they have like a joint replacement and they walk out of hospital. Like that totally changes their life. Um, But then you have patients who come in and, and, and they die and you have to care for them literally until they go to the mortuary mm. and to the, the the care that you give that person even after their death and the care that you give them like for me I'm such a caring gentle person like I, I, I can't even tell you how amazing that feels to be able to do that for someone it's heartbreaking don't get us wrong I've been with patients and something has happened whether that be their mother relative and I, I've been really strong and then I've went into my office at work or into the staff room and I've mm. absolutely broke down and you do take it home with you you can't not because yeah you yeah. wouldn't be human if you if you didn't and you know like and so I've cried with relatives as well because sometimes I'm I'm quite soft-hearted anyway but you know like in a professional situation sometimes there's an emotion that you can't yeah you can't keep it back you you, you really can't um and I think if if you if you can say that you don't feel it from your gut like that, then you must be very heartless. Yeah. So almost sociopathic. <laughs> yeah, like, I guess. Uh, like if you were just in it for the money and didn't care about the patients, mm-hmm. that's that's not right. And in, in any to, way, shape, or form. Yeah, I used to love like doing. You know, if, when I first went into nursing, you had a little bit more time before it got really, really short-staffed and busy. And I used to love like doing things like wash patients' feet. Because mm. they never had their feet washed, or like they could, they were so um, unable to get down to their feet. Yeah. So, or they were bed bound or whatever. So I used to love doing things like that, like that, cleaning people's teeth, like just cleaning people's mouths. You know, all of the little things that I couldn't bear it if I couldn't clean my teeth. Yeah. I couldn't bear it if I didn't have clean feet, and I'm very, very super clean in my own body. So I would love to do all them things and patients yeah. used to say thank you so much like that was amazing like that mm. was the amazing parts yeah all them little things just just helping people with the thing like like you said like the things that like they take for granted almost mm-hmm. like yeah i love it so um moving on from that obviously you got the career you wanted you were married you had two daughters everything seemed like from what we've described that things were pretty good yeah but obviously um at some point during that time your daughter georgia um, very sadly ended up on life support so how much can you expand on what happened with that yeah she did um, I was still nursing at the time um, and she was I think it started when she was about 12 and a half and she was at school and you know as a parent obviously I know you're not a parent but as a mm. parent you know your children so well you know the little traits the little behaviors yeah. you know you know and Georgia was an absolutely massive outgoing she used to dance she was always like lively and I could just tell there was something wrong because Mm. she started like going within herself she started not eating um I would find I pack lunches full pack lunches hidden um and she was just very very not herself and so I kind of knew there was something wrong and I I approached her obviously and I asked her I also got a sister to ask her because she's got a sister who's they're really close, um, and I couldn't kind of get to the bottom of it, but I knew there was something not quite right. Yeah. And in my head, I thought, you know, she's being bullied, and I asked her over and over, you know, what's wrong? 
you can tell me, you can trust us, I'm your mom. Like, you know, I did all the things what parents do. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she, she just kind of shut off. Mm. Um, I went into the school. I spoke to the school teachers. Um, I spoke to our friends. But I, I, I just wasn't getting anywhere. The school didn't yeah. think there was anything wrong. The school said they didn't support bullying and all of them things. Yeah, the, the, the typical school things. That's yeah. The, the uh-huh. Schools can't do anything. They really can't. I actually was told at the school, this school does not have bullying. And I was like, really? There's bullying everywhere in all yeah. walks of life, whether it's in school, whether it's in the, um, I don't know, a, a dance school, whether it's in a, a in gym, office. in an office, yeah. in a hospital. Yeah, yeah. You know, in every walk of life, there's there's bullies yeah. all over. So, But that's what I was told at the school. Um, so then I started like... I just kept an eye on her more and more. And there was a few things happened, you know, like she, I bought her a new mobile phone and she didn't come home with her phone one night, but she said she'd lost it. But it wasn't until after the situation where she ended up on life support where I found out what really happened to her phone. Mm. Um, I would give her dinner money because she wasn't eating her packed lunches, so I'd give her dinner money instead. But then she was not having any dinner. But I later found out her dinner money had been taken off her, but I didn't obviously know that at yeah. the time. Um, I started picking her up from school and things and, and me and her dad and her sister um, and there was just like loads and loads of things just kept happening and happening and happening and then one day it was a strange situation I was a ward manager at the time and I came I wasn't feeling very well and I was supposed to be on a 13 hour shift and I'd came home this day early because I just didn't feel quite right mm-hmm. and when I came home um. Georgia came in from school and she didn't look right. And I said, are you all right? And she, I was lying on my bed because I wasn't feeling very well myself. Mm. Um, and she came in and I said, are you all right? And she said, I just don't feel very well. And I said, all right, okay. And um, she went in her bedroom and then she went out. She said, mum, I'm going to go out for a bit. And I said, all right, well, um, you'll be getting your tea soon. And her dad was cooking pizza um, for her. And then she came back for her pizza I think she had a pizza downstairs and then she went out. She came back and she came to the bedroom door again and she said, Mom, I really don't feel very well. Yeah. And I said, all right, okay. I said, what's, what's wrong? And she said, I'm going to go and, I'm just going to go and lie on my bed. And you know when something in your gut just tells you? Mm. And I said to her, no, George, I come and lie beside me. And she said, no, I'm going to go and lie on my bed. And I said, no. Um, I want you to come and lie beside me and I had to really forcefully tell her to come and lie beside me so yeah. she came and lie, lay beside her. she was lying on my arm and she just drifted off into sleep and then all of a sudden she started like fitting mm. like massively fitting like she went to sleep really quickly she started massively fitting and I pick had, I picked her up she was teeny like absolutely teeny and I picked her up and I was I'm shaking her and she's like frothing at the mouth and just Jesus. massively fitting and I knew, our eyes were rolling in the back of my head, I knew there was something seriously wrong. So I yeah. shouted for my dad and I scooped her up and we got to the hospital and I ran in a and with her. When I ran in a and the receptionist said, just have a seat. And I said, I need resource. I need resource. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Seriously, I said, I need, I need resource. So I ran in. And I knew some of the people who worked in there, obviously with being a nurse, that isn't the hospital I worked at. There was nobody and it was really quiet. And I ran in ran into the resource area and a doctor that was there like seen us and realised I needed help yeah. so they put her on the table um, 
and she was well they started attending to why they had to get it, it, it she was I, I, I can't even explain like and what she it took us such took the it took a massive team of people to get us stable yeah um and and it's awful because like when it's your daughter she was um obviously that the take our clothes off to put the stickers on and stuff and because our body was like like i, I can't explain yeah almost like a like a spasm kind of thing the, uh, and they were trying to they were trying to stabilize that ventilator because um of the stage she was in and the they were really really struggling yeah um and the pediatrician consultant that was there had to get on a live call with the consultant at the rvi and he had to guide him through how to how to get because they couldn't get the tube in mm. um and i was like i went in a nurse mode mm. so our dad and our sister were there they were like sort of i think they'd been taken into another room and i wouldn't leave and i was um i went in a nurse mode so i started like I was start helping. I'm putting the stickers on, and I was, I was like, and this nurse got us, and she said, "Tracy, I know you're a nurse, but you're a mom." And she like, and I like had to back away, and she sort of moved us away. Anyway, they got us stable, and um, then they had to blue light her to the RVI. It took four hours in A and E to get us stable. Four Jesus. hours in a team of like there was about twelve people running around. It was. Wow. It was like it's it it was it's like something you see on a movie. It yeah. it's so bizarre, but that was my little girl. Mm-hmm. But then, we're, um, I remember the day because it was absolutely pouring down in rain. The ambulance came to blue light out to the RVI. Um, I went with her in the ambulance and went to the RVI, and obviously she was ventilated for a week. Yeah. Um, she had taken something. I still to this day don't know what it is. The hospital didn't know that they stay what it is. Somebody had gave us something to take. Like um, if she just took it knowingly what it was? Um, well, she was being told to kill herself. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, when she was on life support, our body was reacting to some of the drugs we were given her, like under the... Um, I can't. I've lost my words. Sorry, yeah. The um the drugs they were giving her, um the treatment they were giving her to like make her better. Yeah. Um, she was ha- having some kind of reaction to them, and it started making her swell up. So I took pictures of her. Actually, I was advised to by a counsellor at the time. Um, mm. I never left her side. I stayed with her the whole time, and I, I she's teeny, and her whole head, her whole body was like. She was pumped up like a balloon. It was off all mm. the drugs and stuff. Wow. But she, um, yeah, she was there for a week and it was horrendous. Mm. But luckily, I came home from work that day because she might have just went to bed. The consultant yeah. said to us, if you had not been there and she went to bed, she would never have woke up. Because you wouldn't have seen. You wouldn't I wouldn't know I would have known. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, but... um. Yeah, it's a, it's something that no parent should have to go through. But bullying is absolutely horrendous. And you know, like, whether you're a bully or whether you've been bullied or you know someone who's been bullied, you mm. really have to, like, think hard about what you're doing or not doing to help. Yeah. 
um, some of Georgia's friends knew she was being bullied. Yeah. Um, but also they were scared. To be bullied. To do anything about it, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of them were involved in it. And she, she remo- I removed her from the school after that. Obviously mm. she had counselling and stuff and I removed her from the school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and totally, it's it's been hard for her to make new friendships because of it. Um, but she's absolutely amazing, and and she's done so well. Um, yeah. And yeah, she's she's my little girl still. <laughs> yeah. So how did that sort of change? Did that change your relationship with both your daughters afterwards? Did it change the way you felt as oh, as a I parent? Mean, or for any parent to go through that is horrendous. Like, yeah. and and when you're a mom, like. When you're a mom, it's even different because you have a different kind of connection with your kids. And it's funny because you don't... I always say this, if until you're a parent, you don't know... Until you're a mom, you don't quite know what love is properly. Hmm. You can love hard. You can... I mean, I love so many people and I love really hard. But when you're a mom and you've actually got a child that you brought into this world, it's like it's it's a different kind of connection. Yeah. Um, so I think it massively changed a lot of things for me that happening massively. And obviously she's, her and her sister are so close, like yeah. so close. And for our older sister, Beth, watching her go through that was so hard for her. Mm-hmm. And, and as a mom, that was so hard for me to watch as well. Yeah. Um, I can remember seeing Bethany standing in a out the corner of my eye watching and then the nurse moved her away, but I could just see her and the fear on her little face as well was just awful. But um, yeah. I did a lot of thinking at that point um, when I was sat in IT, ITU with um, with our own life support. Um, it changed loads of things for me in my life, yeah. massively. Yeah. So after after that, things go back to normal for a little bit is that right like life's normal yeah kind of normal yeah. yeah yeah but obviously eventually you decide to leave nursing so what happened why did you decide to leave the nursing side of things um i didn't leave nursing until like years after before that after, after that happened with georgia um i ended up getting divorced <laughs> yeah it, it changed it changed my life in so many ways that like you, you you can't kind of explain. I went, I was still working. I was working really long hours. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I had a massive responsibility at work because I had quite um, a responsible job. So I was I was doing everything I possibly could for work. Yeah. And probably putting myself last. Um, I worked, looked after my daughters, worked, looked after my daughters. That was kind of it. And... I realised that along the way, I kind of lost the connection with me then husband. Like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't feel the same about me marriage. And when I was with Georgia, it made us realise that this wasn't the life I wanted. Mm, it gave you that sort of that morality, that mortality. Sorry, kind of hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it really did. Um. In a kind of, in a in a way, give us more courage, mm. more courage to realize like there's much more important things in life 
than a job yeah 100 percent. and and it's sad obviously that you had to go through that to realize that Mm -hmm. but i'm sure part of you is probably you know grateful for that experience Mm -hmm. that it showed you that because now um actually i'm gonna skip out a bit so did you go straight from nursing into what you do now or is there was there anything in between so after that like after i got um i i got divorced and and I was just on my own with me daughters. I I kind of like had a little bit of a gap where I was just, you know, right, this is this is a point where I need to really look after my health more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always kind of done something active, you know, and I did cycling and I, I did like, I, I went to the gym and, but I would drink on a weekend with my friends and it was always binge drinking. And I, I never really drank during the week. It would be like, you know, we're going to go out um on a friday night and get absolutely hammered um and things like that so and i i I was always the person who couldn't handle the drink i'd get absolutely legless (laughs) couldn't hardly stand on my legs you know i'd be i might be the life and soul of the party and i'd be dancing all night and stuff but i was always um you know it was quite amusing for other people that i would get in them states um it always is and part of of us i think because i used to i used to love getting drunk as well and i think mm. part of us does want uh we love being that person, that character when mm-hmm. we're drunk because other people love us because mm-hmm. of it. And I've said this before, I think uh, alcohol is the only drug that if you don't take it, people assume you've got a problem. Yeah. And I think a lot of that stems from the social circles that yeah. we keep around. Definitely. Ourselves. Well, I, I think I, I started like, I had all this stress going on and I had been through all that with with what happened to my daughter. And then, and I was still working and then I ended up splitting up with my husband. So I would then, on a... A Thursday night I'd come from work and I think right I'm gonna have a glass of wine which I never used to do yeah. and then you know and then I was I'd have a drink on a Friday then I'd have a drink on a Saturday I feel ill on a Sunday and then I'd feel ill on a Monday and I just I just thought I've got to change yeah this is not yeah. no life like I was kind of wallowing in self-pity if that makes sense mm-hmm. um so I I just made a decision to myself you know what I'm I'm gonna look after myself so much better like I need to sort my life out, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to look after myself in every way possibly that I can. That's going to help my health. Yeah. And that also meant working less, less hours, um, being with my kids even more and, and and not drinking and, you know, yeah, not even going to social events that made us want to have a drink. I mean, I did go to social events, but I I didn't drink, but other people didn't weren't comfortable with that. Yeah, so, obviously, yeah. Um. So yeah, and then I started to really love fitness. Mm. Like I absolutely like I realized, oh my god, I love this so much. Just the feeling of it and the results the that it brings. Of her yeah. And and just and waking up fresh every single day and getting up every morning and just feeling alive. I I, fe- I just started feeling alive like I hadn't felt yeah. in a long time. Amazing. So when did you start to join the tft when was when was your first tft <laughs> let's let's jump into that era of life <laughs> so i joined um what used to be called total fitness tribe yeah. which we sometimes still call it now <laughs> still, I, know, yeah, I, yeah. I have to think about it um i joined in the january eh i don't know was it just before christmas i can't remember but mm. it was 2015 i think be 
have totally lost what so eight, eight years yeah 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 how did you did you find did you how much fitness did you do beforehand before you started running tft obviously you said you kind of discovered a love for it i think i kind of had um sort of i kind of let myself go a little bit leading up to it because I, I i felt so low like mm. i felt so low and obviously when things like that happen to your children it's really hard to deal with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I felt so low and I put up, gained a little bit of weight and things. So I just had stopped really going to the gym and yeah. stopped really looking after myself. So when I started TFT, I I was a little bit overweight, um, but I just loved it. I, I used to go mm. to um, what we used to, used to be called Boxer Fit. Right. Um, it's a boxer size kind of thing. Uh, yeah, 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 I used to go to there for years with me brother Michael who lives in Australia now and me other brother Les used to come as well um we used to go there all the time so I was used to that kind of some of the kind of things that we did yeah. in TFT um but I just I loved the feeling I loved getting up on a morning and doing it and yeah and I, I did it really well and I just looked and I I smiled all the way through it mm. like I just I loved it I never spoke to anybody when I came hardly I used to, I was so shy like, I don't even think I spoke to Luke. Which is strange, because considering beforehand we said that you were very social, you're always the life and soul, and you're always, like, speaking to people. I wonder what, was it just because you felt so low? That I was really confident in my job. Yeah. Um, Really confident as a nurse, like, and I could talk to anybody as a nurse, and really confident, and, um, you know, I had that kind of confidence. I was confident with the things I knew I was really good at. Mm, like a situational confidence kind uh-huh. of, yeah. Um, and I was confident in loads of aspects of my life, but probably not confidence in confident in myself, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. So when I used to come to the gym, I mean, I remember the first time I came, I spoke to Luke and he, like, introduced us and welcomed us, and I, I kind of hardly, I don't even think I had a proper conversation with him. Like, I would come in, do my training and leave. Hmm. But I was so, like, in my head just focused on just sort my life out yeah like so that was it and i had to rush to work because i used to have to be at work early as well so yeah so was it still 6 a.m back then it was six, like 6, 6 a.m yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so your luke is for anyone that doesn't know tracy uh luke is tracy's current partner mm-hmm. been together for how long now um, um yeah <laughs> <laughs> so so not long after you started mm-hmm. so was it i'm curious so was was it kind of like a attraction from day one i never even looked it, at him no, not so at all. Obviously, you said you didn't speak to him, but like you didn't take any notice of the fact that he always had his abs out or anything. There was nothing like that. Well, no, because he doesn't do that in training. He's he always has a t-shirt. Oh, yeah. on. He's like, but did, was he still as consistent posting back then? Like, did he still post the similar way he does now? Oh, he, he did. Used to post. He wasn't probably as professional and <laughs> as experienced. Um, yeah. But he did used to post then. Um, but. Nah, like, I, I hardly, I didn't even look at him. Like, honestly, I was so shy. I was mm. really shy with things like that. Um, yeah. So I didn't even really notice something, to be honest. Mm. I just come in, dummy training and left. So how, um, long, how long was it before you started to sort of talk to him a little bit? Well, we started, we used to have a coffee uh, after training on a Friday morning. Was um, that up here? We used to have it up here yeah. where we are sitting yeah, so, now. So for anyone that's watching <laughs> the, the footage, um, we're actually above the gym that Luke and Tracy uh, train in. And uh, this little corner used to be, it, used to be, it was like green, wasn't it? We used to it? have um, cushions on the floor and stuff. Yeah. We used to sit here and have um, a coffee. So um, It's come a long way since looking uh, around, hasn't it? Um, we used to have a coffee and we used to have a chat and things. And I'd, I kind of like sort of spoke to Luke a little bit then, but I just used to speak to the other people who were there, really. Hmm. There's a lot of people who, who 
train with Luke, who are friends with my brother, mm-hmm. or with one of my brothers. So, like, there's some people who are kind of new. Yeah. Didn't, wasn't friends with them, but knew who they were, yeah. sort of thing. So I'd just, like, have, have a chat and um, have a coffee with everyone. And I sort of kind of got speaking with them a lo- then a little bit, but not, like, a massive, you know one-on-one conversation yeah, yeah what what was the first date do you remember the first date i remember <laughs> what was it um it i don't was... think i know the story either so this I is do you not? no i don't <laughs> um luke sent us a message and he asked us to go for coffee with him <laughs> and i was like what hmm. like and, and at this point i was like i absolutely really don't want to be getting go, going to meet anyone for coffee or anything hmm. that i just really know um Actually, I spoke to my friend and she was like, no, you should go, you should go. And I was like, I'm older than him. <laughs> um, and so anyway, I ended up going for coffee with him and he took us for a coffee. And he took us for a proper specialty coffee. That, that, that doesn't, I had no doubt in my mind that it was, what was it? The one I used to drink Nescafe until yeah, then. I'm the same. He hasn't quite convinced me to get one of those machines that you've got in the house yet, but yeah. I went for a coffee with him, right? And honestly, I was so shy. Like, if you see some of the pictures of me and Luke when we first got together, I'd be like this, me, like, at the other side of the table. Like, <laughs> you can tell, like, I look at the pictures and I go, eee, look at me. Like, I'm really, like, proper, just so within myself, like, yeah. so shy. Um, he took us for a coffee, right? And I got, um, obviously, just a, a pour over V60. So it's just black coffee for mm-hmm. those who don't know. But it's specialty coffee, and it absolutely blew me head off. He was talking to us, right? And I, I felt like I was drunk. <laughs> I was like, my head was going... Poof. It's like, when I used to come around yours, when I did the film, before mm-hmm. I started working here full time, like when I used to come around and do the film, and he said, do you want a coffee, man? I was like, yeah. And I'm like, trying to film, and like, colours. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I was like, what's this guy drugged me with? That, that's what I was like. That's what I, I felt yeah. like. I was like, really spaced out. <laughs> so I went for coffee, um, and just like, just chatted generally, and it was like just a really friendly coffee conversation sort of thing. And I just thought, oh, he's a really nice, genuine guy. And then um, a few days later, I asked us if I wanted to go. I think we went down. Did we go for a walk down the seafront? And um, That's very romantic. That's, <laughs> we went yeah. for a walk down the seafront and shared an ice cream. Yeah. And then it kind of, we, we sort of went on a few more coffee dates when he took us for my breakfast, took us for lunch and stuff like that. And we, we did that kind of thing. And mm. it was just like, it wasn't meant to be a relationship. It was meant to be, we're just sort of like being friends. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then it started to get a little bit more serious. And it was, I don't want anything serious here. Like from both of us, we're both, you know, we're not, we're in totally different parts of our lives. Yeah, this yeah. isn't. It's it's just more or less a friendship, maybe even a bit fun. It was kind of like that. Yeah. Um, and it was like that for a long time, but then it just got serious. Yeah, it just, it just kind of melded together. We almost. just kind of totally fell for each other, and we just ended up. Well, obviously, we'll eight years down the line, we'll live together, and yeah, have we'll three have cats. Really, yeah, three cats in a very very happy relationship. So yeah, amazing. Amazing. So when did the decision for yourself to become a PT? Because obviously you said that you kind of just, you've developed this then love for fitness. So what uh-huh. was the decision? Like what went on in your head that made you want to become a PT yourself? Do you know what? It it, it kind of opened up something in me that just totally was like, I felt alive. I felt on fire. I felt mm. just absolutely like me. Yeah. 
it's weird because when I was younger, I always wanted, I used to be, I used to dance in a dance team and I used to be a dancer. Yeah. And then when I was like a, a bit older, I went on to do cheerleading and I did cheerleading, um, had a contract with Metal Radio. <laughs> Just name drop. <laughs> um, and and I did that and I would have loved to be a professional dancer. Yeah. But obviously I, I, I didn't really think it was a career then. Like, mm-hmm. um, So even though I'm not one of them people who's like in your face and in the spotlight and likes all the attention on me, I like... I don't know, like just, when I do coaching, I just love mm. it. So with Luke being a coach, it it's it was sort of like, I used to, I started coaching for him if he wasn't here. Mm-hmm. And I'd like take a few of his sessions and I just loved it. Like I just was like springing in myself. Screaming like, at people to uh, do burpees like, and yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just loved it. And then I thought, you know what? Like me and Luke spoke about it and I said, I wonder if I should do like do a PT course or something and, and, and try and become a coach. And I could, then it just means I can cover for for Luke and, you know, and do a little bit more. Um, initially, I thought, oh, you know, I might coach women, just mm-hmm. women only. Because I thought, how many women would be in my position where you are in a position of being really low, not having no confidence, but want to go to a gym and don't quite know where to go because mm-hmm. I found it really hard to find somewhere mm. um, that fitted my needs. So I thought, you know what, w- wouldn't it be great if I could just do that? Yeah. So I ended up doing a diploma in fitness. I didn't just do a PT course. I ended up doing a diploma in fitness. You went all out, yeah. Uh-huh. I thought I'm going to really go for this. So alongside my nurse and I did a d- diploma. Um, um, then I... Th- started Tracy's Ladies Fitness. Was there any other name? I'm curious, was there any other names that you kind of had no. before? Was it just always Tracy's Ladies Fitness? I, I really didn't know what to call myself. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, what do you call yourself? And obviously me and Luke went over a few things and Luke was like, just call it Tracy's Ladies Fitness. And I was like, what? Um, but I've called it that and it's absolutely weird. And it's the name itself has done huge, huge um, yeah. success, been hugely successful for me. So... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I called it that and, and I started, I think about five years ago mm, now. Nice. And I still have clients who started with us five years ago, yeah. still with us to this day. Because it's, it's just that good. You know it's I mean? really it, good. Cause it's what, what it's I love the best. Ab- well, what I love about what you and Luke have created, both with Tracy's Ladies and TST, uh, formerly TFT, uh, is the fact that everything's so different. Mm-hmm. And, and like every session is different. Mm-hmm. Some of the exercises might be the same, but they're done in different ways. Yeah. It's unique. And just the community as well. Mm-hmm. I think, like, obviously, that's a big part of what you do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you do your ladies' days mm-hmm. as well. Like, where did all these ideas come from? Like, why why not just leave it at fitness? Why did you want to focus so much on the community side of it? Do you know what? Like, I've always... Um, I think that's the other thing as well. Like, going back to nursing, I'm a hands-on person. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm physically... I can show you anything. Yeah. Like, and I've always been like that. But I think it's because I'm a doer, because of the things I'd done when I was a child, the way that I was brought up to, to, to do and help people. Yeah. Um, but I also, I like to help people mentally mm-hmm. because I've seen a lot of mental health over the years. During my childhood, I've seen lots of mental health. Um, obviously, being a nurse and being a carer for years, and I, I just, I think there's always somebody you can help if you can help one person. Yeah. So, 
when I saw Tracy's Ladies, um, obviously Luke already did some of the mental health side, like he does it in a lot more depth now. So, and I think one of the things that we do, what's unique to everyone else is the speech before we start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I get loads of feedback from that, right? And like, and, you, and, and when I do the speech and before I start, like sometimes I'll, Sometimes I, I I don't really have a lot to talk about, but sometimes there'll be something that I've listened to on the morning mm-hmm. or there's something that I've read or something's happened in someone's life. And I I talk about it at the beginning of the session. And I'll give people some advice on how to deal with things or how to cope with things, how to make things better. Yeah. And honestly, like, there's always somebody will say, I'll get a message off someone later in the day or or someone will cry in the session like wow. obviously i don't want to make people cry but happy someone, tears happy tears well no sometimes it's not happy tears but sometimes like so someone will say i actually cried because you're absolutely i felt like you were talking to me yeah you hit the nail on the head with you, it. You, yeah. you absolutely hit something in me and it's made me think right i need to change or it's made me think you know what i'm not doing too bad a job or you know like i am a really worthy person yeah. like so it always hits somebody and the messages i get off people like i I, in the, I have about 60 ladies and the messages i get off people like i could cry mm. to make one person just one person have a, and have that massive impact on one person and change their life is absolutely you can't it's, it's like when i was a nurse yeah you, you, you can't get that feeling from anything else but and i know that it's more than one person I'm helping out of my ladies. I'm helping yeah. every single one of them. But then again, it's also because you, you're so consistent on social media as well. Yeah. The amount of lives that you're touching outside of that as well. So you're, oh, yeah. you've got the 60 ladies in the gym. Mm-hmm. You're giving them all a speech. Mm-hmm. You're guiding them for their mental health. You've built a community where they can feel you know safe. Mm-hmm. To, to train, there's no judgment. There's mm-hmm. also, um, for anyone that's seen the pictures, there's no mirrors downstairs either. You know what? Like in... In the ladies group, and obviously in our gym, it's not a place where there's, there's no mirrors. Yeah. But um, in our ladies group, I have so many different women. There's different shapes, there's different sizes, there's different abilities. It's not about coming into a gym in your like right, getting and and getting a six pack. It's not about that. I have ladies who do have six packs, and yeah. I have ladies who are super fit, and I have ladies who you know, could could probably compete if they wanted to. Yeah. And I have ladies who are on the totally different different level who really struggle um, physically. You know, I have ladies who have cancer, who the company was either before they're diagnosed and they stay with us all the way through the cancer, um, all the way through the treatment yeah. and they come out the other end. Or I have people who've had cancer and they've come to us for sur- after the surgery, for the help after the surgery. I have people who've, had, who've lost... I have a, two ladies actually who've lost both lost their sons to suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got people who've been in really violent physical relationships. Yeah. Um, I've got people who have had lost a child. I've got people. Uh, I, I a lady was uh, blind, nearly blind, wasn't she? Wasn't a lady who, um, seventy-year-old lady who is, yeah, <laughs> she's blind basically. She. Um, put some of the younger people to shame which is amazing <laughs> wow um you know like there's so many people um with a story where they've needed some help and support 
and they come into the room and you know it doesn't matter what they look like there's no one comes with all of their makeup done and their hair done like they're going on a night out and they're not yeah, standing yeah. in the gym looking in the mirror you know <laughs> um it's the come and the they're able to be themselves they're yep. able to move which then physically and mentally helps them yeah, yeah, yeah. to progress in their life um and so it's not always about this certain image that someone's looking for it's not even sometimes people some of these ladies will say you know what tracy i just want to lose half a stone yeah or i want to lose two stone and they'll come and they'll start training and they'll say do you know what i initially want to lose weight but now i realize i'm not even bothered about the weight that is and the weight will come off as a side effect but it's absolutely not that at all Mm -hmm. it's it's the mental health side. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's the community. It's the mental health. It's the fact that no one in here is judging me. Nobody is. It doesn't matter if the person beside you can do 10 burpees while you do one. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you can't do a burpee because yeah. there's something else I'll give you that you can do. So we'll focus on all of the good things that you can do to make you feel good mm-hmm. no matter what your ability. And it's amazing, like absolutely amazing. Yeah. And I think one of the <clears> things as well is like a lot of people get burnt out by things like this. Like they come in and they have, like you said, they have the, the idea of I want to lose pack. a stone or a six pack or whatever. <laughs> and they make that the goal. And mm-hmm. when they don't get it in six to 12 weeks, mm-hmm. they quit, they burn out. And because the goal's so far ahead. But mm-hmm. what I've discovered is one of my favorite things. Is, so I used to obviously... I grew up really skinny, mm-hmm. um, going to the gym or whatever. I would look in the mirror every single day and see nothing. There wasn't a single bicep. There wasn't anything growing on my chest. You know, there was nothing. There was no mm-hmm. six pack, nothing. And what I decided to do was is change the mindset from, okay, the goal is not to get a six pack. The goal is not to get abs. The goal mm-hmm. is not to get a bicep or pecs or whatever. The goal is turn up at the gym. Mm-hmm. The goal is, the, the, the result doesn't matter. It's the fact that you can go to the gym and i mm-hmm. think that's what people who come to your uh, the ladies sorry who come to your classes realize is the goal isn't just about you know yeah it's nice to lose pound uh-huh. yeah it's nice to have abs but if you make the goal i'm just going to turn up to the gym and i'm going to do my best each and every time it makes it so much easier and i don't feel mm-hmm. like that burns people out as fast yeah and i think um i take people out of that comfort zone like i take people to places i've never been before in their life yeah. like i give people the courage and the confidence to do things that they've never done before mm-hmm. and you know, like, I could break people's confidence, but obviously I won't. But, like, you know, to do with their relationships is is a massive, massive thing as well. And it just totally changes people's lives. And for the last few years, um, as you know, I've been taking people into the sea. Yeah. To do sea swims and sea dips. And even just today, I always get somebody new, obviously. So to even just today, I took two ladies into the sea. Mm-hmm. And it's really freezing cold. Yeah. Into the sea, who've never been in the sea before. Like, you you can't put a price on making people feel alive like you do. Like, yeah. you really can't. And I think I coach the ladies to focus on that internal health. So... To looking after the organs. Yeah. Because, you know, it doesn't matter what your aesthetic look like, really. Obviously, it's going to, if you're going to be massively it, it, obese. Yeah, it's and nice stuff. to look nice as it, well, yeah. Uh, and you want to look nice, yeah. But I teach them, you know, if you look after your organs inside, that's what's keeping you alive. Yeah. That's That's the hidden parts, what people don't see. You know, you can have all of the cosmetic surgery or whatever it is that you like. It's the internal that you have to look after more yeah. than anything. That'll bring, that'll show on the outside. Yeah. And, and that is the most important thing. <coughs> the other thing I've done is I've helped people reverse things like diabetes. Hmm. I've helped Which people... Which is crazy. Mm-hmm. People who've come and, you know, 
they've had diabetes or high blood pressure um you know I've had people who literally are so immobile they cannot sit up and down off the floor and like I'm talking about women who are in their 40s who can't Mm -hmm. sit down and get up and sit down and get up and that's absolutely fascinating to me because by the time I've finished well it's there's never finished because there's very rarely anyone leaves yeah but if they do leave, I encourage them to go and do something else. Yeah. But to be able to help someone to suddenly be much more mobile, mm-hmm. to walk up the stairs without getting out of breath, to be able to go and play with their kids, you know, to be able to go and do activities with their kids that they've never done because yeah. they would hide away. Like I've had people who have never wore a bikini on holiday because they've been so overweight, so self-conscious. Yeah. But now they're going on holiday and wearing, wearing a bikini. Mm-hmm. And they send us pictures and go, look at me, I've got a bikini on. I've never wore a bikini in 20 years and things like that. You look, you must look at that and go, that, oh, that makes it, yeah. absolutely, it blows your mind. Yeah. Absolutely blows your mind. Or like people who will say things like, I hadn't had sex with my husband for six years. And now we'll have an active sex sex life. Mm-hmm. Like, Because sex is obviously, it's something that's, it's a massive connection. So it's amazing all them things that it does t- to people. Like it's yeah. unreal. It's not just about the fitness at all. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I love talking to you about, and um, we've had many discussions on this in the past, is uh, people's excuses for skipping the gym, <laughs> not signing up, uh, not turning up to classes, wasting mm-hmm. your time, wasting their time. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, what are your, I would say, quote unquote, favorite excuses that you get? And what is your argument against those excuses? One of the biggest excuses, <laughs> the biggest, I think, is money. Mm-hmm. Like people will say, you're too expensive. I can't afford it. Um, it 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 it's just too, it's too much. It's too much. Yeah. But you know, like when when people talk about money, there's no price on your health. Yeah. There's no price on your health at all. And if you want, I, I think if ever there's nothing against alcohol. By the way, I actually do still like to have a drink. Yeah, you've got a massive sweet tooth as well. Oh, massive sweet tooth! Yeah. I love my food. <laughs> I, I love food. I love the problem with me is I love savory and sweet. Mm. But I I love um you know. I love to go out with the girls and have some cocktails. Yeah. I go out for a meal with, with Luke and I'll have a, a glass of wine. Sometimes I don't bother, but sometimes I do. Um, so I'm not saying people shouldn't drink. But when you're going out and you're spending like £100 on a Friday night and yeah. Saturday night, I mean, do people even spend more than that now? They probably do because it's expensive, isn't it, to drink? Oh, yeah. Well, unless you're in, unless you're in the dive bars of Newcastle where it's yeah. like £5 <laughs> for three trebles of God knows what, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. But, but like, you know, you can spend... Uh, even if it's a hundred pound a week on alcohol, there's four hundred pound a month on alcohol, yeah. or we we'll eat out, or you know we we'll go to Starbucks and get a coffee on the way to work, or Costa, and you're paying four or five pound. People get them massive coffees, yeah. four or five pound for a coffee every single day. You know, it, it, it's it's not that expensive to find yeah. a good gym where you can go and you can train, and you know, just don't go out once a month or something. You you can find the money from somewhere if you want to do but that's the biggest excuse it's usually money but you know like you can't put money on health and at the end of the day if you don't look after your health you're gonna then end up on one two three four and five medications and you're gonna be paying for every single one of them and i mean how much is a prescription i think it's like eight nine pound now something Mm -hmm. like that on average so you know, rather than be paying that for the rest of your life, why not spend it on your fitness and your health? Yeah, look after your health now while you can before uh-huh. you have to. I think uh-huh. is the Absolutely. biggest thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um 
what about do you know what really annoys me as well like people who say i don't have the motivation i don't feel like it that is the worst one and i don't know whether i don't know whether men are worse for that or women are worse for that in terms of how they feel i, w- I would probably want to guess that women are quite worse for saying i, I don't feel like i can do that because women tend to be quite more in touch with their feelings than the men do i don't know whether you would agree with that um to be fair not really because if i'm honest most of my ladies turn up their sessions regardless of how they feel mm-hmm. good i'll say to them you know if you if you, if you really don't feel like it if if you really really don't want to come tell yourself i'm going to feel better by coming yeah so you know i've 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 caught I coach lots of women who have injuries as well mm-hmm. and they really like you know I've I've got a lady who's literally had to use two and three kilogram dumbbells because she's really had this horrible neck injury yeah. but she's come and she's come to every session yeah. and mentally it's helped her massively um, and it's still kept her moving um, but I work with people who've had back injuries who've not yeah. been able to do something like as simple as a plank and I've took them through the exercises slower i've adapted them and i've helped them and adjust things so that it strengthens the muscle around the joints mm-hmm. so it makes them be able to do it and mm-hmm. and now they're like you know i've got one lady who hadn't done anything for five years because she had such a back, bad back problem and now she's like she doesn't have any back pain she's off all our medication yeah what she used to take every single day for our back pain so you know, there's no excuse. And, and women, mm. the ladies who are coach, tend to get over that excuse. Initially, yeah. if I speak to people before they come, I might have someone who will say something like, oh, I couldn't do that because of this. And yeah. I say to them, no, you can't because I'll help you. Yeah. And it's really good because I'm a nurse to have that nursing background as well. Mm. You know, I can help them through some situations that lots of coaches wouldn't be able to because of the health background I've got. Because yeah. I'm still a nurse. Yeah, yeah, you haven't lost that side of yourself. Yeah, 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 hundred yeah. percent. And it's funny. I've I've got a friend who uh, sometimes I was training with, and she um she sometimes says to me, she's like, oh, "I don't feel like going to the gym today." And I'm like, "If you come down, then you'll feel like doing mm-hmm. it because it's like the motivation. Like, obviously, this is a self help podcast. Talk about motivation all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, motivation comes after the fact. It doesn't often happen beforehand. Sometimes you get a spurt of motivation mm-hmm. to do something, but most of the time you have to create it by doing You've the got, thing. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like I can't give people motivation and give them every single tool, but I can't motivate them. They've got to motivate themselves. Yeah. They've got to get in the room and motivate themselves. Yeah, yeah. And like I don't wake up every day. Like me and Luke don't wake up on the morning and go, oh, yes, it's quarter five, let's get up and go and train. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm terrible on the morning. Like I'm absolutely terrible. I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm grumpy. Well, I wouldn't. I don't know if Luke would. <laughs> Let's ask him when he watches this. Um, I wouldn't say I'm grumpy, but what when I when we wake up in the morning, like we have this little routine, and yeah. you know, Luke will, the alarm will go off, and I'll like put the cover over my head, and Luke will get up, and you go make the coffee, and I'll like have an extra twenty minutes or something. And mm. I'll just I'm not asleep, but I just lie there. There's a very odd occasion where I fell asleep again. But then, then I'll get up and have my coffee and like we'll sit in peace and quiet before we come mm-hmm. um, to the gym. But there is days where I get up and I think, oh, I'm excited about getting a training today as well. But if you didn't, you know, you don't always feel like going to work, but you've got to. Yeah. Because you're not going to get paid. You don't always feel like getting up and seeing your kids, but you've got to because you're a parent. You don't always yeah. feel like, you know cooking a meal but you've got to because you've got to eat yeah like you can't always feel like everything but yeah. you're going to feel much better when you do it yeah. like 
So you, you you have to get over this. I don't feel like it. Hundred percent. I've got a few. I've got a lady whose husband kicks her out of bed on the morning. He's like, get to the gym. Nice. Husbands, husbands out there, take notes. <laughs> yeah. Also, wives take notes. Kick your husband out of bed to get the gym. Get him out in TST. Uh, so one of the things that obviously I'm not very um, knowledgeable in um, as a 27 year old man, but uh, I hear quite often in the women's health spaces, and obviously working closely with. Um, your business as well is uh, the menopause. Ooh. So yeah, one of I've seen you post about this a mm-hmm. dozen times. Now, obviously, I can only ask you know on an outside perspective. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it fully. Um, so I'm curious when it comes to the menopause. Obviously, a lot of the things um, that you hear is like it makes you gain weight, like the 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 drive, the the moods are very mm-hmm. fluctuating. Like, how does that affect the the women that you train or yourself as well? Like, how do, what's your personal experience with that, and uh, is it a valid reason for Gain of weight and oh and, yeah, and lack of motivation. Yeah, yeah. So how do you deal with that? It affects everyone differently. Um, um, through the menopause, I think I don't know. It's 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 really hard. Yeah. Because there's no um, because you can go through menopause for eight years. Mm-hmm. Like it's a long time. Yeah. And obviously, it's you know, people go through PMT before that, and like, and you'll hear women say, "I've got PMT," yeah. and you know, and that's why I'm really ratty and short tempered and moody and. And as a man, you've just got to go. Okay. <laughs> but I think men have it as well. <laughs> do you know what? Probably. I do, honestly. But um, so, and, and then you just, menopause, I think it's very misunderstood. Mm. I don't think people really understand it very well. Um, I take HRT personally. It's a hormone replacement therapy, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's helping me. I'm not really sure. Like, it's 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 really difficult to say. Um, because I think sometimes you can get, mixed up with um emotions and menopause and Mm. situations and depression and things you know because there's so many symptoms with um menopause that it's hard to know yeah it kind of just adds to the mix uh yeah yeah. so you've got like um well i'll tell you some of the symptoms right i'll tell you some of the symptoms i've experienced Mm -hmm. with menopause um and i did I, I was like really in my early 40s when I started going through the menopause and when I was nursing, right, I literally sometimes would feel like my head was spinning so fast. Mm-hmm. But I, And then I used to think it was the stress at work because it, it's a really stressful job. Um, But I, I would like do things like I'd examine a patient and then I'd go to write something down and I couldn't remember. Yeah. Like literally from doing the examination, I couldn't remember. Like I'd mm-hmm. go totally blank. So that was when I first started really noticing it. But obviously with menopause, there's there's like the mood thing. There's the sleep thing. People um, wake up in the night. Yeah. I went through this wake, waking up in the night. People, other women have flushes. Mm-hmm. Some yeah, women have flushes one, during the day. Um, some women have flushes at night. To be fair and touch wood, I've never had flushes. Mm-hmm. Um I, th- I think I may have in the night a couple of times, but not, like never during the day. Yeah. Um. Some women have obviously obviously heavier periods and problems there. Um. I'm again lucky I've never had that. Um. <clears throat> lots of um women think they're depressed when they're going through the menopause, mm. and one of the things I had was not depression. Um. But I did have this massive brain fog, and I still sometimes get that. Like mm. literally. It's it's so frightening. It's almost like Alzheimer's. Mm, yeah. Um, and actually, know a few women who've been tested. A few women of my ladies who I coach have been tested for Alzheimer's when mm-hmm. it's been menopause, b- 
because it's that bad, it messes with your brain that much, yeah. the brain function. Um, and just remembering things, like for me, I can't sometimes remember mm-hmm. things. Like yeah. it's it's really crazy. Like I go through periods where I literally can't remember anything and then I'm back to normal. Mm-hmm. So there's, and there's even more symptoms than that. And some people are like, um, it affects our relationship. Yeah. Um, I think it's massively important to talk about it. Um, all of the ladies who I coach, uh, not all of them, but a huge part of them will do, will uh, be on, or or, or on HRT. Yeah, yeah. Some people have tried it. Some ladies have not agreed with it. Some ladies have um, not not wanted to try it. Yeah. But they all understand the symptoms and we'll talk about it a lot in our private group as well. Yeah. Um, so it is massively talked about more and it's massively recognised more, but I still don't think it's fully understood and I still mm. think there's a lot of work to do um, with it. And it, it, it's real, it's, it's oh, scary. Yeah. 100%, 100%. So in, coming from um, a relationship standpoint, just um, as, a, as a guy who will eventually have to deal with this at some point, mm-hmm. uh, not personally, obviously, but uh, what, um, what can a man do to to understand this more what well, obviously if you go through uh the moods for example what from a man's perspective should he do how should he act or how how can he help in any way <laughs> i think um listen up luke <laughs> <laughs> to be fair i'm really quite lucky with luke because he wants to understand mm-hmm. so he'll ask questions he'll ask us if i'm okay yeah and when i'm feeling low he'll dig deeper mm-hmm. um does that not annoy you when someone when someone keeps digging? <laughs> like, or does he do it in a way where it's the other not thing a... is you get really emotional. Like sometimes you cry for no reason. Mm. Um, sometimes it annoys us, but sometimes it doesn't. It, it just depends. Yeah. But he, but he'll actively say, "Look, I want to help you. Yeah. Like, what can I do? Is there anything I need to do? Like, you know." And he'll ask the question. And he's willing to learn about it. So mm. that makes a massive difference. Instead of just going, oh, God, she's moody again. Oh, God, a woman. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm not massively moody. Don't get us wrong. It's not like we'll have a massive problem with it. But like uh, there is occasions. Yeah. Or sometimes like you'll say, what's wrong? And I say nothing. And you'll say, what's wrong? And I say nothing. And you go, we well, might be going out the door to go for our lunch or something. And you go, right. And you shut the door. And you go, we're not leaving this house. Tell us, tell us what's wrong. Mm. And like sometimes I'd be like, I don't know what's wrong. I just feel really emotional. I just cry. But it's just good that he he wants to be understanding and wants to mm. listen. And there's no, by the sounds of it, there's no raised voices on his level. There's no, oh man, you're being annoying. What are you being like this for? Kind of thing. There's none of that. <laughs> or, or is there? <laughs> no. Um. To be fair, actually, I I grew up where there was a lot of raised voices, mm-hmm. and I think it made us nervous. Um. And. In my marriage, there was a lot of raised voices yeah. and it made us nervous. So it's really refreshing that Luke doesn't raise his voice. Luke's never shouted at me. He's mm. never shouted at us. I think I can think of one occasion where he might have raised his voice a little bit, but he's nah, he's, he's really yeah. quite calm. If, if you want to if you want to piss Luke off, like working with him in an office uh, four or five days a week, uh, just put him on MailChimp <laughs> and just watch him because every day, you obviously don't see this, but every day there's something wrong with MailChimp and he will kick off and he'll be like, for fuck's sake, man! <laughs> he's like ready to throw his laptop out the window. Luke will, um, I've seen him like, like get angry and frustrated yeah. with other things, like when he was fitting my bathroom. <laughs> Oh. You, like, for, for those who don't Luke used to be a plumber so he's yeah. quite good with that um, when he was fit in my bathroom <laughs> that, that was hilarious that so things like that but he's never ever showered at me never yeah. 
like he's really calm with us so he is really calm and understanding and he wants to he wants to learn more about menopause and help mm. but do you know what, do you know what's amazing is just looking at this from an outside perspective is you and luke both train hard you work on everything in the relationship you work on everything in both your lives mm-hmm. and that must just create this level obviously there's ups and downs in every relationship yeah, yeah. like you'll still mm-hmm. get pissed off you'll get pissed off you mm-hmm. whatever but the fact that you both look after yourselves probably gives you such an advantage over most couples who just are on this downward spiral oh, of yeah, we definitely. shit all the time we don't go mm-hmm. on date nights we don't have good sex there's, it's a boring mm-hmm. relationship like the fact that you guys look so much after yourselves just like for anyone listening like if you don't already look after yourself and your partner doesn't look after their self there's something already wrong oh, that needs to be addressed uh-huh. yeah definitely i think when you both look after yourself first it makes everything else much easier to yeah. deal with like so much easier like we have an amazing relationship it's not perfect because mm-hmm. if anyone says they've got a perfect relationship then i'd, yeah, I'd full, like to know what when you're shit. eating or yeah. whatever <laughs> you, like you know like there's no perfect relationship we have our ups and downs. I'm more perfect than Luke. <laughs> um, no, but like, you know, and mistakes are made and you learn by them. Yeah. Um, Luke's probably made more mistakes than me, but he learns by them. <laughs> but he'll openly, openly admit that, you know, yeah. and that I think that's the difference as well. But communication um, is huge yeah. um, between you. Like, you, you have to talk about things. Mm-hmm. We do have a, like sometimes I think about it and, I, and, and and sometimes we'll talk about it and we're like we, we do have a pretty good relationship mind we mm-hmm. really really do um we've been together for over eight, eight years now and you know and like I know people say oh there's a honeymoon period in a relationship and things mm-hmm. and yeah there is there, there was for us as well and there is for everybody but that doesn't have to end like and you do get comfortable in a re- relationship of mm-hmm. course you do you're always going to get comfortable with everyone um, who you spend every just about every minute of the day with but yeah. it doesn't have to be comfortable where you don't have any excitement in it because we have yeah. a really good exciting relationship um, and because we look after ourselves we're you know like I'm attracted to him he's attracted to me we're, we're, we're like we have all of that because yeah. we look after ourselves we're healthy we prioritise sleep we prioritise spending time together. We'll always make sure that we sit at the table and have a meal together mm-hmm. at least yeah. once a day, at least. Um, you know, when you never see me and Luke sitting at the opposite side of the room to each other, ever, mm-hmm. like ever. We'll always sit together. We're like, we're attached sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll always like, we'll have a certain way that we'll go to sleep at night and we'll always like cuddling and stuff. And like, so we'll have a really, really tight um, loving relationship mm-hmm. But we do have faults as well. Of course we do. Yeah. We'll have faults. Everyone has faults in that relationship. Everyone. And, you know, you've just got to talk about it and learn from it and and and, and keep keep working on it. No doubt. It's a yeah. work in progress. Yeah. You have 100%. to change, make changes all the time in your mm-hmm. relationship because otherwise it'll just become boring. Yeah. Well, one of the things you decided to do to keep it exciting was that you decided to open up the Owl and the Swan coffee shop. <laughs> yeah. Um... I had finished nursing at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it took, what did it take like three years to, to build it all out and get it done? Yeah. We, cause, cause me and Luke love coffee so much. And we, so we'll go to coffee shops all over and no matter where we go on holiday and everything, we'll always go for a specialty coffee shop mm-hmm. and we'll look and we'll walk miles to find a specialty coffee yeah, shop. Luke, like. Luke ran out of coffee here the other day in the office and he went downstairs. He's like, I had to steal some of your Nescafe gold. I was like, <laughs> 
I was like, he just drank it and you could see the disdain. He told us, I was like, wow. See, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm more of a coffee snob than look now because I wouldn't, wow. I would do without rather than have next coffee. <laughs> like seriously just like, I'll just go tired if we if we went somewhere now and look got and, and there was only a Starbucks yeah I, I'm sorry Starbucks but I don't like your coffee um, like I w- Luke would get one if there was nothing else mm-hmm. I wouldn't even have one of them like no. I, I'm, I'm much more those standards have been the, the ball's been raised yeah. you can't do anything mm-hmm. that so, so how yeah. did the how did the owl and this one obviously you said you love coffee so, and stuff like that. So yeah. we love coffee and we love going in coffee shops all over and like it's the ambience, it's the the mood, the music, and we'll we we'll spend a lot of time in them. So we absolutely love them. So we're like, you know what? Why don't we just own my own? Mm. <laughs> and I used to say, I'd love to like have a little um coffee shop that sells lovely cakes and stuff and and I think I've said this loads of times and then we're like, do you know what? Why don't we open my own coffee shop? Like, yeah. why don't we? We've got nothing to lose. So we opened the coffee shop. Um, we called it Owl, Owl and the Swan. <laughs> I've got the swan tattooed on me and Luke's got the owl tattooed on him. Um, and yeah, it was two weeks before the national lockdown. Yeah, which is which is what I was going to get to and next. Like. It, took a lot, it, it took a lot to open the coffee shop. Um, obviously, we had a lot of work to do. We didn't get in any debt to open it, which was a really amazing thing. We're yeah. like, we, we made sure that we did it where it didn't really massively affect our finances. Mm-hmm. So, and we, we opened this lovely little place and it was amazing. Absolutely loved it. Um, it was absolutely heaving. Um, and then two weeks later, we went in lockdown, we had to shut it down. Yeah. And it, because I remember seeing, I remember seeing the, the initial post. It was a selfie of you and Luke down, down in the coffee mm-hmm. shop area. Uh, all wrecked up and all the walls looking like shit and that and and I remember going, oh, they're gonna open a coffee shop and then it was like okay the update on the coffee shop then the coffee shop and we knocked the walls down yeah like ourselves and everything we did all the work myself yeah yeah so how obviously you worked obviously I sat and worked down there and I think t- to be fair I still really want some of them uh strawberry scone things that I did because they were just they the were best. my thing I they were just them. the best mm-hmm. ever but um how did you find working in the coffee shop yourself personally. You know what? I had um, this. Uh, when I started the gym, mm-hmm. I was still nursing. Then, once my gym um, business and Tracy Zilly's fitness started to really kick off and start being really successful, I was like, you know what? I love this more than nursing. Yeah. I'm losing my passion for nursing, but I'm loving this more. Yeah. So I decided and I made a decision to leave my permanent position in the NHS and to focus on the gym. Mm hmm. So I did that, which was a big, big decision, like a massive decision. Yeah. Like, my mum was like, you, what, you're going to leave nursing? Yeah, like, yeah. my dad was like, what? Like, you, you can't do that. Like, And it was really like a shock for people. But I was like, I'm still a nurse. I'm just leaving this permanent position. Yeah, yeah. I can always go back and get a permanent job. They're always looking for nurses, mm-hmm. yeah. So I just started doing like um, temporary bank work and I would just work when I wanted to. Yeah. So work when I want to, um, do my gym, and then all the time with intention in my mind to leave nursing fully, mm-hmm. but a little bit scared, obviously. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I would do like an odd bank shift here and there. And then I think I'm, then I, I just kind of stopped doing the bank shifts. Yeah. I was like, do you know just what? I'm doing, them them, out, yeah. I'm doing them less and less and just, yeah, just phasing them out, but I st- still remained registered. Then we opened the coffee shop. 
And in the coffee shop, obviously we're, we're closed for lockdown, we're reopened, we're closed, then we could have takeaways and it was like <laughs> yeah, up and down, mess, up and down. was it? Yeah. absolutely a mess. But you know what? It was really successful as in everybody loved it. The food was amazing. It was a mm. really high standard uh, quality and, and, and I loved it initially. So I loved it as in at this point I've left nursing. I'm not... I'm not really nursing at all now. I've got the coffee shop. I've got my gym. Um, I'm loving serving the customers. Yeah. Um, I'm loving making everyone happy. They've got that lovely ambience. They've got that lovely feeling. What main look at when we get in the co- when we're in the coffee shop. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but then, I think sort of look kind of started realizing before me didn't really want to be working in the coffee shop. So he kind of was like stepping away from it a little yeah. bit. And then I found. Because a lockdown would like took on some staff, we had to let them go. We took on, we had yeah, to let them yeah. go. Um, we, we reopened. We'd obviously lost a lot of money in the process. Yeah, like we'd lost a lot of profit. And we're like fighting to keep it open. Yeah. But I could only take on one member of staff at this point. There's just me and one member of staff. So I ended up where I was working in it full time, mm-hmm. and I started to really resent that. Yeah. I started thinking, do you know what? I'm hating this. I've left a job what I loved, which was nursing, to do something that I wanted to do as a little sideline. You mm-hmm. know, I wanted to pop in and help out every so often. I didn't want to be working in you it. You wanted to own it rather than work uh, it, yeah. I didn't want to be working in it, yeah. like, six days a week, and I ended up doing that. And people who work in hospitality will know, it's not <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> you don't go to work nine or five. Yeah. Y- yeah, before you get to work, you're thinking about you've got to pick up things, you've got to get to li- deliveries you've got to like know what's happening everything's got to be prepared before and then also after at the end of the day you've got to prepare everything for the next day yeah it's the prep the work uh, the clean down then the prep for the next day mm -hmm. and then do it all again yeah as well as putting a smile on every day and still trying to coach and still trying to look after my own health and still trying to be in bed early on nighttime so i was just like this is just i'm not loving this anymore like i'm really not loving it anymore so luke and i talked about it and we talked we're just sitting and we're like you know what this is I think it started to affect me in the way that I was like, look, you're upstairs in the office working and I'm down here. Mm-hmm. And, and I was saying things like that. Look, and, and that wasn't really fair because that was, I was there. Yeah, yeah. But it was like, but also it wasn't fair that he wasn't sort of thing. So we like had a little bit of bickering about it and stuff. So in the end, we're like sat down and we're like, I was like, this is not working. We yeah, both yeah, said, yeah. this is not working. You know what? Why don't we just cut our losses? If we close the coffee shop, the only sad thing was was that we had to let member staff go. Yeah. And that was the that was the hardest part for us because obviously we're really caring people and we really cared about that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just we'll have to cut our losses now because it's starting to affect yeah. way in a way that we didn't want it to. It's not what we're it set wasn't out the to dr- do. In the it first wasn't the place. dream, it wasn't the cute little coffee shop. It was nah. it was all the stuff that kind of comes with uh-huh. but it's hard to run two businesses. As well really as take hard, care of yourself. Huh? Like, Especially that easy. kind of business. Yeah. Hospitality is one of the, uh, honestly, probably it's one of the hardest things. Like people think, oh, you just, you're a waiter or you serve drinks yeah. or whatever. It's like, no. If no. you could, if you could do, if I could have just done the coffee shop, it would have been different. Yeah. But I didn't love that enough to do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if I could have had just people working in it and I wasn't working all the time, it would have been different. Yeah. If lockdown hadn't happened, it probably would have been different as well. Because... Yeah. We would have had more staff. It would have been. It would have ran totally different. But like fighting, yeah. Open your shut. You open your shut, and that that's really really hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we sat down together and we're like, right, okay, we're closing. We're gonna close. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and we did a video and we announced it and we closed the coffee yeah, shop. Yeah. And I felt like, the, but you know what? We didn't. 
we decided as well not to say right we're going to close in a month's time or two months or three months we're like right we're going to two weeks that's it yeah I think it was two weeks two weeks that's it we're going to do it because mm-hmm. there's no point in dragging it out yeah, yeah dragging out that happiness. there's no point in yeah, dragging yeah, yeah. it out at all so we'll close yeah. it and I, I miss our lovely coffee because we did the best coffee yeah, yeah. it was amazing and I really miss it and it was good for the community and, you know but it's something that I'll or we both won't ever regret doing yeah um, it's something that it's, it's part of where it's well we've got a tattooed on where so that isn't the reason why I'm a swan and he's an owl that's another story but um, we called it the owl and the swan so that was me it was mine and his coffee shop so yeah. it's something that we'll have a memory from and it's something that we thought you know what we'll, we'll try it didn't work out but we've learned lots from it oh yeah and there's no regrets yeah 100% so one of the things that I kind of want to round uh, our episode upon is uh, during one particular shift, and I know you were comfortable talking about this, talking about this before. Mm-hmm. During one particular shift uh, in the coffee shop, you got probably the worst phone call of your life, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, so, how much can you expand on on what happened with that phone call? So, you know, there's two in my whole entire life. The two worst things that's ever happened to us was what happened with Georgia, and the other thing was my brother died, Tony. And um, that was during lockdown, but we had the coffee shop open. So I can't, I can't remember um, where the lockdown yeah, where, where situation the time was, was at that yeah. time. But um, and it'll be coming up to three years this year in July. Um, and we're in the coffee shop. So Tony is my oldest brother. Um, he died at the age I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're in the coffee shop this day and... Luke and I were working in the coffee shop, just the two of us, and it was quite busy. There was people, like, obviously in the, in the coffee shop. Yeah. And we were really busy to the point where my phone was on the side, because, you know, I have our phone everywhere with we don't yeah, work, yeah. and my phone was on the side, um, and I was taking some coffee out with someone, and I looked, and I had, I think I had something like 17 missed calls off my mum, mm. and I picked my phone up, and I said, look, I've got 17 missed calls off my mum. That's really weird. Mm-hmm. Like, she wouldn't normally call us that many times. Yeah, that's when you know something's, uh-huh. yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to call my mum. And Luke said, well, call her. So I just stood where I was at the, like, sort of the side of the counter, and I called her. And she told us that my brother was dead. And, like, that is the most, the hardest thing that, like... With Georgia, I was by her side. I was with, I was, I felt like I had a bit of control. This yeah. was so different. So when me, me mom told us on the phone that my brother was dead, I literally, but you, she said, yeah, it's funny, right? Because she said, she told us that my brother was dead, but she never said it was Tony. Mm-hmm. But I knew. Yeah. I knew it was him. I don't know why, I just knew it was him. It's a similar sort of, in like, instantly feeling that you had with Georgia where you knew something just wasn't. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. And I... I screamed, like... Like, I screamed. I can't... I screamed like I've seen patients relatives scream. Yeah. I screamed and I hit the floor. And Luke obviously doesn't know what's going on and he's like, what's, what's wrong? What's happened? What's happened? And I'm just screaming hysterical. I felt like me whole... Insides have been ripped out. I can't. Yeah, I, yeah. I just. I can't even put it into words. And uh and he picked us up. Like he, he's like scooped us up in his arms because the coffee shop was full of people. So yeah. everyone's just looking. Yeah, yeah. And no one's really know what's going on. And neither has, Luke doesn't know what's going on either. And 
he picked, he like scooped us up and he carried us into the gym. And he's like, what happened? What happened? And I, I just said, my brother, he's dead. He's, my brother's dead and Tony's dead. And, and I don't know what, and I obviously didn't know what had happened because I did, yeah, I just yeah, dropped yeah. the phone and I could hear at this point, I can hear my dad. My mom's obviously like panicking and give the phone to my dad and, and yeah. my dad's saying, Tracy, Tracy, Tracy. And I think, I think Luke spoke my dad. I can't even quite remember. Yeah. And I was just like on the floor, just absolutely like just in a state. And, yeah. and I, I, I jumped up and then I was like, I've got to go. And I like, I like literally was like, I've got to go. I've got to go like that. And yeah. Luke was like, you can't go anywhere like this. You can't, you, like, you'll have to wait until I can close the coffee shop and I'll have to take you. Like, you'll have, and I was like, no, no. And I got in my car and I went to my mum's. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was horrific. And he had died under horrible circumstances. And he was in Spain. And it was just absolutely the, the worst thing ever, it's just <laughs> ever. A, I mean, there's like a media frenzy as well like they harassed you and yeah, um, your siblings as well what, well what happened was he came over a balcony a sev- in spain um over a se- from the seventh floor he came over a balcony and obviously we didn't find out all of this straight away this is like like later down the line and everything and he um but he he actually as soon as it happened, the day that we found out, we had the media phoning, phoning all of her, mm-hmm. FaceTiming me, like FaceTiming us, you know, the media, like, and phoning were every single one of her sat outside my mum and dad's house, sat outside my niece's house, like Christ. my niece's houses, and um, my brother's daughters, um, like horrendous, like, and literally we didn't even know at this point what the hell was going on? We didn't. We didn't know nothing. Yeah. Um. His daughter had been speaking to him a few hours before. Um. So we we just really didn't know nothing. And then, obviously, we later found out there was suspicious suspicious circumstances. Um. But he also, when he came over the balcony, he landed on another man, mm-hmm. and both my brother and this other man died. Mm-hmm. Um. So it was like not even like you just couldn't write it. Like it was. It, it is a crit when you hear it. You're like, whoa! Like it, it takes you like a second to realize, like, oh shit, this uh-huh. isn't a f- film or anything. You know, this mm-hmm. actually happened. Yeah, it's like something you just yeah. see in a movie and, yeah. and doesn't happen, isn't it? Um, so it was just horrendous, like horrendous. And obviously, it's during lockdown. He's in Spain. We couldn't. I, I had to get. I had to take control because nobody really quite knew what to do. Because who who knows what to do in these situations? Oh, yeah. Um, and get and then being told that by the Spanish police that the suspicious circumstances, and you know, like, um, get I had to get in touch with the British Embassy, who don't really know anything, and they're trying to help you, but the really mm. it, it's really difficult because it's another country. It, yeah, yeah. It, it's hard, like really hard, and. Anyway, there was a big investigation, and it's still not closed. The case it's it's yeah. still ongoing and still really really hard. But the um the just the whole situation getting him home from Spain like, it was, was horrendous. It cost ten thousand yeah. pound to get him home from Spain. Like um obviously the money when it's your brother is not a pro- it's not a, yeah an issue, but it's still a lot like going to court to try and get him home to get his uh, I had to actually 
put it through a court to get his body because they wanted to send his ashes. And oh, I was no. like, absolutely not. Me mum yeah. and dad can't deal with that. Like, we need to bury him at home. Like, you yeah. can't just do that. And also, like, is it really him? Like, we were like, is it really him? Like, yeah, because you wouldn't what, know. Is it a mistake? Is it a mistake? Um, you know, do we need to identify him? Like, yeah. but obviously he did have ident- identifiable factors, you know, like, and he had tattoos. And, yeah, yeah. Um, but, and... Eventually, we did get him home and we had his funeral and things in lockdown, which was horrendous. Anybody who lost anyone in lockdown, like yeah. what you go through is horrendous when you lose someone. But to lose someone in lockdown was on a different level. It was just a mess was the whole Absolutely thing. Absolutely different level. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. And I still say to this day, COVID or not, nobody in this world should have the right to tell anybody that their relative has to die alone. Yeah. Without them. Because, or, or like, you know, like, it, it's just, it's just, it's inhumane, it's wrong. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's one of the things where it wasn't even guaranteed that even if, so they're dying from COVID, it wasn't guaranteed that it would affect you the same way. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like, even if you, even if you tested negative, you couldn't still go in. It was like, mm-hmm. it was, it was a horrible time. People are like still su- trying to sue and stuff now. Like, mm-hmm. it's just... But, Obviously, I, I'm I'm talking about my brother here, but I'm talking about also like in hospital, like people in hospital dying, and their relatives can't be with them when they die. Yeah. I know the nurses are there, and, and the, the nurses would absolutely do the best they possibly could. Yeah. But the to not have your relative there, or not be with your mom or your dad or your sister, or your brother or your husband or your wife when they're dying is just absolutely so wrong. Yeah. It's horrendous. So anyone who lost anyone in lockdown would know the situation with funerals as well because so my brother had a funeral obviously um and he's got um his daughters and obviously we're from a big family yeah 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 so you could only have so many people in the crematorium mm-hmm. which was absolutely horrendous so like my daughters couldn't go in mm-hmm. His daughter's partners, because his daughters are all grown up and they've got children. Yeah. His daughter's partners couldn't go into the crematorium with them. So you can't even go in to comfort your partner when they've just lost their dad. Yeah. Um so and like and like my my daughter's standing outside, like needing the comfort from me. Yeah, yeah. And me me other sisters and brothers, their kids like in it, it's horrendous to yeah, not yeah. be able to just be in there with your family. Mm-hmm. Like that that was horrible. The whole whole thing is just horrible anyway. But in COVID, it was even worse. Yeah. In, in, in absolutely horrendous. Yeah. Well, since that day, you've said. I remember we had a conversation. I think it wasn't long after that happened. But you you went out and you wanted to live your life as much as possible. Obviously, the same thing happened after Georgia. You wanted mm-hmm. to do everything uh, that you could. So you, you've been spending lots of time with with Caden, with your grandson. Yeah. Um, who is so cute, by the he's way. Lush, he's lush, isn't he? He's, a, he's uh, adorable. Yeah. You've got into amazing shape several times. You've done mm-hmm. the, the photo shoots. Uh, even got surgery. You got your boobs done as well. Something that you always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your publics, you've done public speaking as well. And I'm just wondering, like, where does, after that, the day-to-day drive come from to keep going after everything that's kind of that's, that we've kind of talked you about know today what? like I, i'm going back my brother here my brother was the same age as me now yeah when he died um and 
I think that you should never miss an opportunity yeah. ever. So obviously we had the coffee shop open at the time, but it was closed this particular day, right? And I was a week before, what exactly one week before my brother died mm-hmm. was when I seen him and I was driving along. I was sorry, he was driving along in a car with somebody and I was with my friend. Mm-hmm. We'd been for a walk and we're walking home. And when we were walking home, we see my brother. It was raining. We'd, we'd been on like a dead long walk and we're really tired. We'd walk from Newcastle. Yeah. And he he stopped the car. And like, and I just remember him smiling at us. And like, and, and he, he totally, totally adored us. Mm. And he was like, oh, like, can we go to your coffee shop? Because he had never been. Yeah. And I was like... Tony had shut it in. He was like, well, no, let's go to your coffee shop. Let's go. And I was like, he was like, you can open it. It's your coffee shop. And I was like, it takes an hour for the machine to heat up. <laughs> yeah. It's not like a kettle like you're boiling and stuff. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, no, like we can do it another day. We can do it another day. And he was like, oh, I love your kid. And he, and he went and I've never seen him again. Mm. So I think probably that learned is that gave me a massive le- lesson in life like someone says to you obviously you can't always drop everything but if someone said like there was no reason that day why I couldn't open the coffee shop for him yeah, yeah. there was no reason other than I was tired I was a bit wet I had just walked for 20 miles or something there was no reason why that day I couldn't have opened the coffee shop for him so when someone just gives you an opportunity or asks you to do something and you think, do you know what? Don't feel like it right now yeah. or whatever. Just have a think about it and do it. Yeah. And and that makes you want to live. Like yeah. you've, you've got to live for the moment. You've got to take every opportunity that comes your way. Yeah. And I think so. So now I will every single time when someone asks asks us to do something, I'll always try my hardest to do it. Like because yeah. that was the last time I seen him. Yeah. So. But also, I've got a, um, I have a photo of him in my hallway at home. And it's weird, right? Because every day, and you know, even in the hard times, like when when I have things going on myself and I struggle a little bit, mm-hmm. every single morning, my routine is, obviously, I've said before what my routine is on a morning. Yeah, looks yeah. made in the coffee and stuff. And I come downstairs on a morning and we've got three little kittens and they tap my legs as I'm coming down the stairs because they know that I'm going to feed them. Yeah. And I come down the stairs and I've got, this little fairy light for hanging from the ceiling and I put it on and my brother's picture's on the wall in front of us yeah. and I look at his picture every single day. And it's all right. It must be nice having that visual reminder of him as well. It's like, like um, it's, a pic- it's a lovely picture and he's smiling and I look at him and I smile and I touch it. Like, yeah. As if I'm touching his face, it's weird. Well, it's not weird to me, no. but it might be to somebody else. But like, and every day I do that, every day. And, yeah. and I never forget. Nice. And then I think, like, he would want me to live. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that anyone listening to your story today is going to take away from that is just no matter what happens, you just keep living, for, especially for the people around you. And you keep... You've got to keep living. You've got to keep looking after your health. Yeah. And you've just got to keep going. You've got to. Like, even when you don't feel like you've got to. Yeah. 
you really have you've got to take every opportunity off out of you yeah. and you've got to just go with it and you don't have to be perfect and you're going to make mistakes and yeah. you're going to piss people off i even saw that <laughs> you're going to um like piss people off and you're going to upset people and you're going to hurt people and you're going to get hurt yeah but you've just got to do it you've got to yeah. live you really have got to live and you know what like uh getting through all of that with my brother to help me get through was me training every single day yeah i came in here and i came in the gym and obviously luke coach coached me because i trained with his group yeah and every day i used to cry all the way through it yeah like i used to cry through the whole sessions and people used to say why are you doing what i can't i don't even know why how you can do that like how can you go to the gym like yeah. after your brother's just died and i'm like what do you want us to do yeah like, should i just go lie in bed yeah. and, and cry i can cry in the gym so I used to come, and it it was that and my ladies who helped me get through it. Yeah. So I know, like, for example, I've got a lady whose son committed suicide just on Boxing Day. Yeah. And she came to the gym two days later, mm-hmm. and, and she going. came, and she kept going, and she kept going, and she said she wouldn't have got out of bed if it wasn't for that, and I know exactly what that feels like, and I talk about this with the ladies, and I talk about my feelings with everything that happened with my brother, I talk about um, how I dealt with it, and how even at the hardest times, training's never going to make you feel worse. Yeah. You never never regret a workout. No, you're just going to, it's just going to help you look after your health. Yeah. I mean, you can, people who go through really tragic, difficult times sometimes do turn alcohol and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because everyone's different and everyone deals with there's things different mechanisms than, than but well for me that was my coping yeah. mechanism it might not be the right one for anybody else but it was for me yeah. and I know that I've helped lots of ladies through difficult times because they've used it as their coping mechanism yeah, yeah. 100%. I think like for people like me mum and dad I think to lose a son is the hardest thing ever. Yeah. Like, or to lose a child, sorry. Um, not not just a son, a child. But I think, obviously I can't bring my mum and dad here and coach them. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, they have their own way of coping. But yeah. it, and it's really hard and it's hard watching them go through the pain. Yeah. But if I didn't do what I do and live the life that I live, I probably wouldn't have been able to deal with it and help the rest of the family deal with it the way that I did. Because I'm a really calm person who can put things... um, You help other people put things back in the place. uh Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. 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 And I think I've done that from being a child. Yeah. And that's where your childhood comes in. It keeps you, like, strong like that, with that kind of strength. You can... You can you can get through a lot. You can help so, other people. Yeah, amazing. Mm-hmm. So, Tracy, yeah. um, where can people uh, find you and follow you on social media to hear more of your story and keep up to date with all your training? Where can people find you? Tracy's Ladies Fitness on Google. Tracy's Ladies Fitness on Instagram. Tracy's Ladies Fitness on Facebook or on my homepage, Tracy Holmes. Yeah. And you start a TikTok now as well. Oh, TikTok, yeah. TikTok, TikTok as well. TikTok. Forget about TikTok. <laughs> yeah, go, go watch Tracy do some dances with some uh, sort of ones as well. That's amazing. Oh, but, no. No, Tracy, I think uh, people listening will be very inspired by your story today. Um, but yes, guys, thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you liked it, please uh, give us the five-star review that we so desperately want. 
and uh, I will see you all in the next episode.